Welcome to Living Southern Oregon, a podcast dedicated to discovering and exploring all Southern Oregon has to offer. I'm your host, Simona Fino, and I will be introducing you to the people who live here, the things they love, and what makes Southern Oregon a magical place to call home. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living Southern Oregon. Today, I'm looking forward to introducing you to Tammy Morgan, who has lived here in Southern Oregon for 32 years. By trade, Tammy is a well-respected loan officer for Umqua Bank. When she's not helping her clients finance their dreams, you can find Tammy outside enjoying the great outdoors of Oregon. All right, everyone. Well, welcome, Tammy. Thank you. I really appreciate you being here, and I'm excited to uh, chat with you because I think you're going to be bringing something different that I haven't gotten to talk to a lot of my listeners about. But before I get into that, I want to kind of find out how you came to live in Southern Oregon because you weren't born here, but how did you discover it and what brought you here? I'm from Northern California, far Northern California, so Cottonwood, Red Bluff area, so about three and a half hours south. And uh, when my husband and I were married, we moved here for a job for him. He managed Sherm Thunderbird in the meat department. So that's what brought us here. I didn't know anything about Southern Oregon, but once I got over the mountain and dropped in, I discovered the beauty around us mm-hmm. in every direction, every yeah. direction. So not knowing Southern Oregon, we did not know where we were going to live. So we first moved out to the Applegate. We were out there for a very harsh winter because we used to have winters here. Yeah, we used to get snow. (laughs) What year was that, by the way? That was, oh boy, uh, 1992. Okay. So we lived in the Applegate. Mm -hmm. One night we got about three feet of snow. I worked at Jackson County Federal Bank, which is not here any longer, but was like the the bank when uh-huh. when it was here. And I had to call my boss and say, I can't come to work today. I can't even see my car. I could <laughs> literally see like the top of it. It was a wild experience for sure. But yeah. but that was our that's where I how I got here. All right. And then now you are not in the Applegate. Nope. We we decided Eagle Point kinda suit suited us a little better. So we've been in Eagle Point for the last 30 years. Okay. Excellent. So I love that you are a fisherwoman and it sounds like that is something that you enjoy. We were just kind of talking a little bit before the interview started about how much you love doing it, even by yourself. So tell me a little bit about how you got into fishing. And I love seeing your posts on Facebook, by the way, some of those fish are huge. So you are (laughs) clearly accomplished at what you do as well. So Tell me a little bit about that world. Yeah, fishing has kind of always been something I've done. I started with my grandfather when I was a child, and, you know, I just kind of followed him then, you know, and I was never the girl. I was just like, let me have it. <laughs> um, and so for years, I didn't fish, and then probably about 15 years ago, I decided, you know what, I'm going to start fishing again because all around here, you know, you have the high lakes, Diamond Lake, which I absolutely love going up to Diamond Lake. It's my Mm. sanctuary. And I do started doing some fly fishing. I do a lot of salmon fishing. I've been to Alaska several times. That is my, that was on my bucket list. And, you know, I, I learned from a friend of mine that, that passed away, like, why do you have a bucket list? 
if you don't start doing it, it'll just be a list on a piece of paper. So, you know, I, I don't really have a list anymore. I just do it and going fishing and the experience. It's all about that for me. It's the bonus is catching a fish. And some people say I'm lucky that way because I don't go fishing to catch a fish. I go fishing to enjoy it. (laughs) And the bonus is the fish. (laughs) What do you enjoy about it? Um, the, the solitude of it, you know, uh, fly Uh fishing, you know, when you're in the water, it's, it's just magical, you know, the, to see a a fish rise out of the water and grab a fly is, it's pretty amazing. You know, the, I think just the thrill of everything, all the experiences that you have on the water, whether it's in a boat or just wading a stream, you know, there's beauty all around you and, and quiet all around you. (laughs) That's what I love about it. (laughs) No phone ringing, no phone ringing, no chattering with someone. Yeah. Yeah. So you were saying diamond Lake and then the high lakes. Are you talking about like Hyatt and that area or what what are your um, favorite spots? Yeah. Diamond Lake and then Odell Lake. So just the higher mountain lakes Mm -hmm. up like between Bend, um, Crescent Lake, you know, they just have different kinds of fish. Here it's hard right now because there's not a lot of water, you know, anywhere. But Diamond Lake always stays full. Lake of the Woods, I like it there too because it's so beautiful. But there's jet skis and people water skiing where there isn't at Diamond Lake. So that's yeah. why Diamond Lake's kind of my spot because you can't speed on that lake. You So there's no – people are just there to fish. Nice. They're, they're not there running around. Them. Not that I mind that people yeah. on jet skis and things like that. I think that's fun too, but – it's, it's peaceful up there. So how has the drought affected fishing? Is that affected just because obviously there's not as much water. So is that affecting the number of fish? Or yeah, it... it affects, you know, everything. I mean, the, I, I love to go over to the Chetco and fish for salmon over there, but there's just hasn't been the water. So it, it is affecting because you can't get through that lake, that river. If there's not water, mm. it's, it has definitely hurt the salmon population, and I think will continue if we don't get back to some sort of normal rain. Yeah, I'm grateful for the rain we had last oh, night. Yeah. It was so nice I to know. wake up in the middle of the night hearing that. Was, right? Yeah, for sure. We so, need it. We need it bad. We need a lot more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, you also are in the equestrian world, mm-hmm. and so tell me a little bit about Hope Equestrian. Why don't mm-hmm. we start with that? Tell me yeah. a little bit about. So Hope Equestrian is a therapeutic writing program for children with special needs, at-risk youth, uh, disabled veterans. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful program where truly the horses change people's lives, and I've witnessed it. I, I go out and do sessions every now and again, and. You know, I think it's my therapy as well. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a couple hours a day that you know you see a parent bring their child, and the parent gets to sit and it may be the only hour that they've seen their child smile and mm-hmm. not have any other distractions other than they're seeing their child smile riding a horse and either with their balance or or whatever it is that's helping them, it's pretty magical. It's pretty magical. So we are uh, a nonprofit organization. We're located in Eagle Point. We just purchased some property on Riley Road, and we're we're in the midst of a capital campaign to build our own facility, which will be nice for us because we've always been on 
other people's property, which has worked well. I mean, we're very gracious for uh, Tony Maherter and her property that we're on, but it'll be nice to have our own home where we can expand and grow our our Mm -hmm. facility. We're pretty limited now as far as how many riders we can see just because of the space we're in. So as we have our facility, we hope that we'll be able to grow even larger. We're the only one in Southern Oregon that, that does it. And how many horses then are part of that program and how many people come in yes. per week, I guess, or per day? So we have, um, last session, I think they said we had 80 riders and we have two instructors and then we have our executive director. Um, the instructors, you know, run the day-to-day classes and then there's volunteers and we have numerous volunteers that come and, you know, help saddle the horses, groom the horses, clean the stalls walk with the riders because some riders can't they have to have sidewalkers and they have to have somebody leading the horse so sometimes there has to be three people Mm. for one rider so you have two people walking on the sides and one leading the horse some you know can ride independently Uh, some only need somebody leading the horse you know so we have I don't even know how many volunteers we have truly but it, it wouldn't operate without them yeah so if people are interested in volunteering, can they yeah, get in touch with absolutely. this? Do you guys have a website? Yep, we okay, have a website. I'll put that in the yeah. show notes so that people... Yeah, it's uh, just hopeequestrian.com. Okay. And there's information on there, and obviously there's donation opportunities with our capital campaign as well. Excellent. Yeah. So are horses specifically trained for this, or are they... So we, how does that work? We do look for specific horses. Not that they can be trained, but they have to be bomb proof pretty much because sometimes our classes they shoot basketball you know off the horse because it's teaching them the the hand-eye coordination and pushing it to something and so the horse has to be comfortable with the ball bouncing up against them or um, sometimes you know the kids make different sounds maybe they don't communicate with words and they make different noises and some horses have to just be broke, mm-hmm. really broke and in shape. So it's not, sometimes people call and say, well, I've got a horse that needs to retire. And were you interested? Well, no, because they get used every day. Um, you know, and they're only used maybe for an hour, a session, but they have to be in shape and they have to be able to carry the riders and, and not, you know, something that's going to be retired in the field doesn't generally work for our program. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And how many how many people are coming through on average? Did you say 80 mm-hmm. a day? No, a week. A week. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a good size group. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Hope Equestrian, I'll make sure and put that link so people can check yeah. that out. Yeah. And then you're also involved in Welcome Ranch, yeah. which is a whole different thing. A whole different thing. <laughs> this is so, my own horses. Uh, and uh, so we do ranch sorting, which is a team. So there's different versions of it. There's three-man teams, two-man, and at Welcome Ranch with my friend Jackie Wooten, we put on sortings at her property in Lake Creek, which is a beautiful area. So we do two-man sortings, and we will do it all summer on Friday nights. And then we have a couple events that we'll do where you know, we hopefully we'll have a large group and giveaway prizes and such. It's a timed event, and it's fast horses and lots of fun. Lots of fun. So it's a competition of sorts. So people come and compete. Mm -hmm. All right. 
And how does it work again? You're, yeah, so there's two pens, and there's a gate in the middle, and they're round pens. There's ten cattle that have numbers on them, and there's the, if you're doing two-man, you'll have the first person that goes in. As they're riding to the cattle, they'll say, your number is four. That person goes in and gets the four, brings it back through the gate, pushes it to the other side, and then the next person goes in and gets the five, and you just keep going until you get all of them through as fast as you can. Okay, so you're trying to get all ten. All ten, as fast as you can. Okay. I have two uh, amazing horses that are, they love their jobs, and they do really well for me, so... Excellent. And you've been riding most of your life, it sounds like. I got a pony when I was four years old. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) And she was nasty. Oh, little Cindy. Yes, but um, yeah, so really all my life. Excellent. Yeah. Took a little break for a bit. Um, Really didn't think I would compete again Um, after an accident, but I started competing about a year and a half ago, and uh, I go quite a bit, and I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Excellent. I'm glad to see that you're back back in the saddle. That's that's where yeah. that phrase comes from, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm glad the accident didn't keep you keep you down because yeah. that's I know that's hard to come back from sure. when you've got an injury like that. So yeah. You spend a ton of time in the outdoors, obviously. What are there other things that you enjoy doing what do you what do you appreciate about our beautiful outdoors oh my gosh besides just gazing at it which is yeah (laughs) so I love to hike too so I'll do the table rocks I I can't remember the name of every time I think about it I can't remember the name of the trail but it's across from Lost Creek Lake and you really don't even know it's there it's like the Mike something trail and you can it's probably a couple miles and you get up to the top and you can look right down on Lost Creek Lake. It's just, it's beautiful. But, you know, you, there's trails at Diamond Lake. So a lot of times, you know, I take my dog and we just go on a hike. Nice. I have a leopard catahoula named Blue and he's my buddy and we enjoy, he enjoys running more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to keep up with him. <laughs> keep up with him. But, you know, there's there's so much. I'm sure there's a bazillion more trails that I don't know of, you know, in Southern Oregon. But, I mean, you have it all here. You have, you're not far from the ocean. You're beautiful mountains all around you. The wineries are great. I love Criselle. That's my favorite. And where is Criselle located? On Modoc. In, Modoc. In, I, I think they call it Sam's Valley White City, but it's it's Eagle Point to me. But, you know, there's all kinds of wonderful wineries in Southern Oregon, but yeah. that one is just my favorite. What's your, what's your favorite about it? Is it the location um, or is it the, the location, wine or both? Or? The wine and their pizzas. Oh, they have pizza. <laughs> they have pizza on the weekends. On the weekends. Yes, okay. and they cook it in the wood oven outside. Oh, it's so good. All yeah, right. I am definitely going to keep that in mind. Yeah, and their wine's good too. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, we have such good wine here. It's I love it. I I come from Sonoma County, is where I lived oh. for a long time, and we have great wine there. Yeah, but I'll say I really appreciate just kind of it's a little more low key. We still have equally great wine, mm-hmm. but it's just a little more low key. Yeah, and sure. um, a lot of lot of a fun events too that happen. Absolutely, you know, live music and things that happen at the different wineries around here. So yeah, for sure. awesome. For sure. 
So when you have family or friends that come to town, are there spots that you usually like your must, I must take you here. Or if they're here and they're on your own, you're like, you got to go check these places out. What are your favorite spots to send folks? Yeah. So of course, all of my family, when they come, we've been to Criselle several times. <laughs> um, and depending, my brother, when he comes, we go fishing, and it's wherever he wants. And so now he's been to all my spots, so he's like, I want to go up here. So it's either Diamond Lake or Lost Creek or, you know, whatever. As far as, like, restaurants, things like that, I don't, I feel like it's a little bit where we're lacking, you know, mm-hmm. here. I mean, in Ashland, you have some some great restaurants, but I feel like once you've been to Bella, you've been to Bella once, you know, yeah. once you've been to the Jacksonville and you've been, and I just don't, I, I wish that we had in Medford a little bit more, you know, yeah, I agree. And seeing <laughs> all of these chains come in, I'm like, why can't we get a Panera? I mean, we have to have all these five guide burgers and this and that. Why can't we get something that has a healthier choice? But, yeah. you know, but I did discover the downtown market. Oh, uh-huh. The farmer's market, you mean? No, the, the I think that's what it's called. The restaurant, oh. the market. Oh, I haven't been there yet. Yeah, so it's directly across from Essentials Home Decor on Main. Okay. And they have some unique breakfasts, so I took my mom there. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. And I think it's called the downtown market. I'm, I'm terrible it up, and I'll make sure. And yeah. When I find the exact name, yeah. I'll definitely include that. Too, yeah. Because I like, I like listeners to be able to look up these places, too, and sure. get a chance to visit. And then I, of course, have to go visit. So now I'm going to be getting out to Criselle. Yeah. Here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think food is one of the things that I, interestingly enough, because we lack restaurants, I think, mm-hmm. but we have an abundance of amazing food. I mean, we have incredible farms. Mm-hmm. We have a three-year or three-season growing season, so we can grow all kinds of stuff, and our soils out here are wonderful, so it's kind of surprising to me sometimes that we don't have better spots. But yeah, for They're sure. coming, slowly but surely. Yeah, I, and I <laughs> think I'm hoping you know, that so many lost so much with COVID that they'll be able to come back. Yeah, you know, that's true. That hit a lot of restaurants particularly hard. Mm-hmm. That was difficult. So yeah. hard to stay open when you can't have customers come in. Exactly. So, exactly. And you can't eat by Zoom. Nope, nope, <laughs> unfortunately. You can only order out so much and you can't do it on Zoom. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit um, because you are, and this is how I first met you and came to meet you as a loan officer. You helped one of our mutual clients out and it's a wild, wild time right now in the world of real estate. And for sure. So I just want to kind of hear from your perspective, what the market is like, uh, what would you say and, and just what you've seen over the years and kind of what you foresee in the future here. When I moved here. I had worked at a bank in California and then I came and worked for Jackson County Federal Bank. So I started in loan servicing. So I was the person who called to find out, you know, did you pay my taxes or can you tell me what my balance is? So I did a little bit of that. Jackson County Federal Bank sold to Key Bank. And uh, so I was swooped up by a title company. So I was an escrow officer for about seven years. I went to my boss one day and I said, I can't do this anymore. I, I'm going to 
if I do this job for the rest of my life, I'm going to be a mean old <laughs> hag. So I'm going to do mortgages. And he's like, oh, no, you're not. Yes, I am. So I did. And I've been doing mortgages for about 22 years. When I started, I worked for Countrywide, who's no longer around, but stepping back a little bit. When I left escrow and I went to lending, I worked with realtors. Mm-hmm. I worked with builders. I just, they're going to send me deals, right? And a lot of them were like, oh, you're going to an escrow officer. You need to prove yourself. And it's like, oh, okay. So I had to find a niche because I had to figure out a way. Okay, you only get experience by doing it. Right. So Countrywide had a program, uh, builder boot camp, and they would send loan officers to it to get certified to do construction loans was the best training I ever had. Mm. And I came back and I dove into it and uh, it's been kind of my niche ever since. And there's not always been a time where builders or borrowers needed construction financing. And then there's been times when that's all there is. You know, we're kind of in a situation with the material costs that we've never, ever experienced. Yeah. And material so, costs and delays and delays because so, of labor yeah. and workforce, you know, you, it's a multitude of things. And so from a, a bank's perspective, you know, construction financing has more risk than it ever has because you have fixed price contracts that the builders made six months ago. And now they're trying to still finish it. And, you know, there's not enough money in the budgets and things like that. So it's definitely a, a challenging time for everyone, but the need is so strong because the prices and the inventory levels, some of the homes that are on the market, you know, need renovation, things like that. And so there's, there's definitely a need. It's just getting the manpower to do those projects. Yeah. Builders can't get subs. Subs can't get workers. I mean, it's, it's a, bizarre, bizarre time. Never, never in my career seen anything like it. And do you think that, or I'm sure it did affect the fires. I mean, that's another whole different, the fires, the COVID, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the programs that are available for people to make more money sitting at home than getting a job. Um, Mm -hmm. so there was a, a a multitude of things that uh, has affected the building industry, you know, and still, I mean, just getting, I have a customer right now that their house is done, but they can't get the caps for their steps because it's on back order. I've had another customer that couldn't get a garage door. Well, you can get a final without a garage door, but I don't, would you want to not have a garage door? (laughs) You know, but there's, it's just ongoing and it's like, we don't see any time soon of it changing and that's the hard part. Right. That's what I was going to ask next is what do you predict or kind of seeing because things are not, things are still delayed. And still delayed and, and costs are going to rise. I mean, with the price of fuel, it, you know, it affects everything. Mm-hmm. So it's, they're not going to come down. If anything, prices will go higher on materials. And you know, so from a building standpoint, it's not for everybody. You know, yeah. you have to be pretty financially set to build. I, my whole career, have been driven by doing what's right for customers and maybe saying, hey, you're just not ready for this. I know you want to do this, but let's talk about what you've got to be prepared for. Mm-hmm. And just having a down payment and closing costs is not cutting it. Right. If you're building a house. Yeah. Yeah, that you makes sense. you got to have... Plus, you got to have the stamina. I mean, the emotional... 
yeah. stamina is also yeah. <laughs> a lot when things keep getting delayed and yes. the frustrations around that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's for sure. Not for, for sure. everyone. Yeah. And, you know, you see in the market, you know, we're starting to see, and I'm sure you're seeing it price drops, like people are lowering prices in certain properties. And so I, that's kind of a, a mesmerizing thing because we haven't seen that in a while. And just wondering if it is due to what's causing that, you know, like what's, what's causing in a market that all we've seen is increases. What's all of a sudden having. I think a lot of it is people that started too high to begin with. Mm -hmm. Had a lot of sellers that want to take advantage of this market, yeah. which can't blame them. Mm -hmm. And so pricing things too high to start uh -huh. Uh -huh. just to see what they can get, see yeah. what the market will bear and then realize, well, yeah, <laughs> I, guess, sure. I guess it's not quite as high as we had hoped and bringing it down. So that's usually when I see mm -hmm. stuff start to come down a little bit. And with rates, I mean, interest rates are definitely on the rise. Mm -hmm. They're still unbelievably low, but you know, there are people in both of our industries that have never heard that rates could be 5%. That's true. I, know. I mean, but it's, and that's, but... the, that's the reality of it. You know, when I started at JCF, Jackson County Federal Bank years ago, they were 19. So I've seen it. Yeah. I've been through 19 percent can you and imagine? we had a refi boom they dropped to like 12 and it was like whoa <laughs> people were assuming loans back then it was bizarre but you know I feel like the rates are still really low they're not where they were of course but that does impact a lot of our buyers mm -hmm. you know so and that'll affect our market as well yeah absolutely in our one of our team meetings someone was saying that the average I think has been eight percent if you look back and, you know, you think about 8% now, people have a heart attack. Well, yeah. <laughs> they saw that on their For sure. paperwork. But so we're really fortunate that it's been 5% and less. That's yeah. huge. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, got to kind of keep it in perspective to a certain extent. Exactly. We've just gotten so used to. Spoiled. Spoiled. <laughs> There's the word. Spoiled. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And so, well, it is going to keep going up, um, hopefully not to 8%. But yeah. You know, so. there's a lot of things I think that may impact them not potentially ever being able to get there is that, you know, when they were 8%, you were buying houses at $120,000. Right. You know, so wages aren't going to increase for people to be able to qualify in our current market if rates go to 8%. Yeah. Yeah. Can it happen? Sure. Anything can happen. They go up, they go down in no particular order. So, you know, it's hard to hard to predict because we truly have not ever been in a place ever historically with rates being as low as they have been for so long ever. So, you know, things that, you know, we look at and used to look at as a rate thermometer really don't work anymore. So no crystal ball. No crystal ball. Dang it. I know. I know. Everybody wants the crystal ball. <clears throat> they do. They do. Yeah. For sure. Just have to. Yeah. Oh, they say no, no time to buy like the present though. Yep. You know, it's like, <laughs> everyone always says, oh, you should have bought years ago. Well, guess what? In a few years, that will be today. That, exactly. Yep. So yep. that's, that's kind of where it's I come from cycle, with it. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's cycle. Yeah. All right. 
Well, I think I'm going to end it on that note there. Perfect, yeah. yeah. Thank you Excellent. so much Thank for you. all the Thank information you. there at the end, too. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I will include a lot of those things that you were talking about. And good luck with the new place for hope equestrian yeah that thank that you really gets thank going you. off the ground and all right so you don't you haven't purchased the land yet we did we purchased oh, you did the purchase. land yep. okay great yeah so now we it's purchased just the land the it's right on the corner of riley and highway 140 so yeah so now we're we just got our septic installed now we'll start building the house and then the barn Right. arena not barn so you're in your building yep, <laughs> yep yep you're diving in knowing exactly what's exactly happening exactly what's happening but we got to do it so. all right well yeah. i wish you all the best with that oh, project thank you thank you all right thank you uh-huh this podcast is produced by simona fino and co-produced by james didakis and jaded media original music by samuel lawrence